Matt wanted to ask what had happened to him. To ask about the other guys in a squad, and to ask him to please, please bring him some water. But a powerful weariness pressed down on him. He fought to keep it at bay, blinking once, then once more. Then he closed his eyes and surrendered to it. The noises in the room, the hum of voices, the steady beep of a machine nearby, the faint trill of a phone, all faded to a low drone, and for a moment, before he lost consciousness, Matt saw a little Iraqi boy standing at the end of an alley. The alley was littered with debris. There was an overturned car in the middle of the street, a candy wrapper fluttering from a coil of razor wire, a stray dog nosing through a pile of trash. From far away, the high-pitched wail of the muezzin pierced the air, calling the faithful to prayers. There was a sudden, silent flash of light, and the boy was lifted off his feet. He was smiling, smiling and slowly paddling his arms like a swimmer. Then he seemed to float, high up into the crayon blue sky, until all Matt could see were the soles of his shoes as he disappeared, far above the burning city. On behalf of the President of the United States and the citizens of a grateful nation, Matt opened his eyes and saw an officer, a lieutenant colonel, a man with a deeply tanned face and a regulation crew cut, standing over his bed. The man was clutching a box, the kind of thing that would hold a piece of jewelry, a necklace maybe. Then he took the thing from the box, leaned over, and laid it on Matt's chest. He paused for a moment and searched Matt's eyes for some sign of understanding. A heavy fatigue pressed down on Matt, but he struggled to keep his eyes open. He could feel the man's hands working as he took hold of the blanket and did something with it. I award you the Medal of the Purple Heart, he heard the man say, for wounds sustained in combat. A Purple Heart? Matt had heard that the biggest, bravest, most badass guys in the army often burst into tears when that medal was pinned on their chests. But Matt didn't want a medal. He just wanted to know what was wrong with him. He felt his mouth flopping open and closed, gulping like a fish, but no sound came out. Your mission now, son, is to get better, the man said. Matt tried to nod, to say, yes, sir, but nothing happened. Get better and get back out there. Again, the fatigue bore down on him, pushing him below the surface of consciousness, and he fell back into a thick, hazy sleep as he heard the man's footsteps echoing across the marble floor as he walked away. When Matt awoke, a pale shaft of light was streaming in from a window nearby. It was dusk, he decided. The light was too weak to be morning light. Dusk, definitely dusk. A few rows away, an army chaplain was praying silently over a figure in a bed. Matt tried to call out to him, but the sounds that came out of his mouth were sluggish and dull, 
not really words at all. The chaplain made the sign of the cross over the figure, then came and stood next to Matt. The man had watery blue eyes and a cross-hatching of wrinkles that fanned out toward his temples. He was wearing an Oakland A's baseball cap, camouflage fatigues with a cross insignia, and some kind of purple scarf draped around his neck. The scarf had a special name. Matt knew it from his days as an altar boy, but he couldn't remember it. The priest reached for the cup of water next to Matt's bed and lifted it as if he were raising the chalice at communion. Matt nodded weakly, and the priest put the straw to his mouth. The water was stale and tepid. It had probably been sitting there forever but it felt good going down Matt's throat. He took a few sips, then let his head fall back.